Good morning, everyone. Hello, how are we doing? Fantastic. My name's Brogan. If you don't know me, I'm uh, one of the staff here at St. Thomas's. I'm married to Beth, who sat in the front row here. And, um, and it's such a privilege to be part of this church family together. If you're new to St. Thomas's, we are a church with a, uh, a threefold vision. We want to be a, a, a community of people who are following Jesus building community and loving Newcastle. And so we've taken the first six months of this year, or first five months, I guess, really, to preach through those three themes. So we looked at what it means to love our city, Newcastle, in the book of Jonah, just after Christmas. We looked at following Jesus. Those are the spiritual disciplines of praying, of giving, of worship in the lead up to Easter. And now we're in the book of 1 John. And we're asking God to speak to us through his word about what it means to build community, to be in community with one another. And I'll unpack that in a moment. But before I begin, we're going to pray. Now, to do this each week in this series, uh, we've got a set prayer that's going to come up on screen, and we're going to pray this prayer together. So can I invite you to stand with me? And we're all going to read this, read this out together. So let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that in Christ we have been brought from death to life and that this life is in community with one another. As in your Son we are forgiven and anointed, so through your Spirit may we become loving and faithful. Heavenly Father, May it please you to accomplish this in our lives. Amen. Amen. Please do take a seat. If you want an overview of the sermon series, look at verses uh, four, uh, lines four and five. We're going to look at what it means to be a forgiven community, an anointed community, and then we're going to look at what it means to become a loving community and a faithful community. And an overview of this series can be found in the first couple of lines. In Christ, we've been brought from death to life, and that this life is in community with one another. And when we hear the word community, for many of us, our hearts will sing with joy. Can I get an amen? Okay, some of you like community. (laughs) We're going to try and get everyone by the end of the sermon. And um, because that's what we've been missing for the last year, isn't it? That sense of being with others, being a community together. But it's not just the last year. For many of us, it's, it's much longer because we live in a time when a deep sense of community is desired by everyone but experienced by so few. Everyone longs to be in an extended community full of people of different ages and ethnicities and life experiences. But our individualistic Western culture has rendered it almost impossible for many of us to share in that type of community. And so many people in our society go through life with an unfulfilled longing to help and be helped by, know and be known by, loved and be loved by others outside of their immediate family. And yet, community is what we are made for. 
Amen. So if you are, now you might find yourself nodding along and you might be watching online, you might not be a follower of Jesus or you might be here and you're not following Jesus and you're sort of like a bit surprised that you're nodding along to a sermon. Well, it's because you and I and everyone who's ever lived, we're made in the image of God. And so therefore we are made for community. We have an inbuilt longing for community. It is ingrained in our humanity. And so for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to seek to understand and become more of. Now, let me be clear, we are not going to be a perfect community in four weeks' time. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry to say it, just break that news to you now. We are not going to be a perfect community in four weeks' time. It does not mean that after four weeks of teaching on community, we're never ever going to again have any problems in in church or in a community that church is never going to be hard work, there's not going to be difficult relationships. That is that's just not how it's going to work because we're all broken people and we bring that brokenness into community with us. But what it does mean is this, that over the next four weeks, we're going to begin to grasp that as a church community, we have a hope and a lived reality that is more precious than gold. And that is community formed around and shaped by and held together in Jesus Christ. So that's the sermon series, that's where we're going. Now let's dig into 1 John today. If you've got a Bible, please do get it out. If you've got it on your phone, get it out because we're going to be digging into this text. And we're going to look at what it means to be a forgiven community. And we're starting here for two reasons. The first is that that's where John starts and we sit under the authority of God's word. And the second, which is probably why John starts here, is that our understanding of forgiveness shapes how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. It's foundational, if you like. So we're going to look at three things. Firstly, the priority of community, and then the perfection of God, and then finally, the power of forgiveness. So the priority of community, verses one through to four. It's quite hard to know where to start preaching these verses because what John says here is mind-blowingly huge. So I'm going to just kind of paraphrase and talk us through it, and then we're going to draw out some applications. So look at verse 1 with me. John says this, that for all of time there has been a constant and unchanging eternal word of God life, a consciousness beyond comprehension. And there has never been a time, nor will there ever be a time when this word did not or will not exist. And yet, at a certain point in time, this word took on flesh. And this flesh, this human being, this man, Jesus Christ, could be physically heard speaking and seen walking and even touched and held mind blown. And that's verse one. Can you imagine John just writing it? Just like, oh yeah, (laughs) that which we heard from the beginning. (laughs) And then we get to verse two, and that those who heard and saw and touched him had their lives changed forever. Yet what is even maybe more extraordinary is this, that those of us who didn't physically hear or see or touch, that's the people that John is writing to, but also us whom he's writing to today. We too can share in this life-changing encounter from hearing from those who did. 
That is in part why we love the Bible. And so we, verse 3, are formed into a community with everyone, living or dead, whose life has been changed by an encounter with the eternal word made flesh. And all who are part of this community, this fellowship, we're going to look at that word in a moment, we participate in the very life of the eternal word, which was from the beginning. Wow. Can you, can you believe that this is true, church? We get to live in this today. This is an extraordinary place to, ch- to start. And so much so that John, who's writing this letter, verse 4, says this, that the joy of his life will not be complete. Even though he's already met and been best friends with the person of Jesus, the joy of his life will not be complete until others know about it. Oh, that my heart would burn with that same longing. So from the very outset, John's conception of what it means to be a community who have encountered, sorry, means to encounter Jesus involves being community, yeah? What it means to encounter Jesus involves being a community. Community is not like a secondary aspect to the gospel. The, you, the main thing is you're saved, you're loved by God, oh, and also you're part of a community. No, the, the two are hand in hand. But here's the thing, most of us already know this. Most of us already know that we should be part of the church family. The problem is that for many of us, it becomes more of a duty than a privilege. As you might know, I tend to get obsessed with things in, like, in phases. So I've had a coffee phase, and I bought all the stuff for coffee, and then kind of got bored of it. And then I had a running phase, and I bought so much running clothes and kind of got a bit bored of it. Trying to get back to it now. Um, had a climbing phase. That was really expensive. Um, and as you might have seen on Instagram earlier this year, I had a sourdough phase. And so for the first, yeah, amen, James. And, um, and so for the first few weeks of lockdown one, I was like super into sourdough, along with, I know, the, the rest of the planet. I'm not claiming that I'm special or unique here. I'm just saying I'm going phases. And so it was really convenient for me, horribly, when lockdown came, because I could spend all of Sunday baking sourdough. And as my wife will tell you, it literally took me a whole day to make a sourdough. And after the excitement of a couple of weeks of baking sourdough all day, every day, I realized two very important things. The first is this, that eating an entire loaf of bread every single day slathered in butter and homemade jam is delightful, but not good for the waistline. <laughs> Luckily, this ran like concurrently with the running phase. I'm there just like, I've, I've earned this. <laughs> I've done 3K today. Um, the second thing is this, that I was desperately missing community. I was desperately missing the church because I'd started to take church for granted. I didn't even grow up going to church, but I'd start taking it for granted. And I think that one of the things that God has done in us, certainly did in me during lockdown, was renew my love for the gathered church. And I wonder if he did the same thing for you too. Because the way that John approaches community is this. It is an enormous privilege to be part of the people of God. It's not just a duty. It is a duty, but it's not just a duty. It's our joy. 
Now, it'd be easy to think that John is writing to like this perfect church who've just got it all together, so their community is amazing. The, the absolute opposite is the case. John isn't writing to a community without any difficulties. Part of the context of this letter is that the church are experiencing really profound struggles. Some of their brothers and sisters are even leaving the faith and trying to open up divisiveness and, and division with bitter arguments. They're people who know what it means to feel betrayed and hurt by those whom were part of the church, those whom they loved. These people know that church can sometimes be hard work, and yet John says, when we meet together, we share a common life with each other and with the church throughout the ages and with God himself. And I think this needs to be our starting point for our theology of the church. Because often when we talk about the church, we talk about some of the difficulties of being in community with one another. I've already touched on them, we're going to speak about them in a minute. And, and that's, that's right at times. But the, the starting point for our theology of the church is not church is difficult, let's work through it. It's this, that it is an enormous privilege to be part of the people of God. The church is the bride of Christ with a family, one for the Father through the death of the Son, held together in the Spirit. Nobody's pretending church is perfect. Nobody's saying that God endorses some of the pain that we've experienced in church at times. But the Word of God does say this, that the starting point of what it means to be the people of God is that it is a good gift that we get brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes we simply have to ask the Spirit of God to teach, us to that, teach that to our hearts when we, when we struggle to believe it. The Pentecostal theologian Frank Matcher puts it like this in wonderfully grandiose language. He says, nothing like the church exists anywhere else, nothing parallel in any other promise, gift, or community of persons. We are on sacred ground here at the nexus of divine human encounter, the beginnings of the kingdom of God on earth. And you and I get to be part of this today. If you are new here, if you don't normally come to St. Thomas's, if you're just checking us out, it is a joy to have you with us. Our theology of what it means to be a church is expressed on welcome team. If you ever see me grinning at you when we can finally get rid of these masks, it's because I am overjoyed to see people coming together to worship. If you want to serve theologically in the church, join the welcome team. That's where it's at. That's where our theology of what it means to be a church is expressed most of the time. It's not just the pulpit, it's the welcome team. So the question then remains, how do we join in? Well, John has said that we join in through the message that we heard proclaimed to us that the apostles first heard from Christ. But what is this message? The second part of our sermon today, the perfection of God. Look at, look at verse 5 with me, returning to our paraphrase of this text. We read in verse 5, the message that we have heard from him and we declare to you, God is light. There is not so much as a single, of, a single atom of imperfection in the galaxy of his perfection. There is not so much as a speck of mediocrity in all of his majesty. There is not so much as a millimeter of wrong in the unending miles of his glory. That's the language that John is using here. God is flawless 
light. And Jesus came to reveal this light to us, the perfection of God, the majesty of God. Which sets up and explains verse six. This is where it gets a little bit heavier. If we claim that we have fellowship, that word there is koinonia, it means a deep, sh- a deep sharing or participation. If we claim that we have this deep sharing and participation in the life of God and yet walk in darkness, there's a problem, which we can see logically. And what John is saying here is that there are only two ways to live, the way of light or the way of darkness. And the way of darkness he outlines in verse 6, and then the way of light he contrasts in verse 7. He's a brilliant writer. So let's look at the difference between the two. The way of darkness is living in ways that are the complete opposite of Jesus, who's the revelation of the perfection of God. Think about Jesus' life. He is self-controlled, he is pure, he's loving, he's gentle, he's deeply compassionate, he's committed to his friends and family, he does justice to the poor, and he abstains from all immorality. Wow. If we claim to be followers of Jesus and yet willfully practice a life that is different to his and different to the vision contained in his word, the Bible, then verse 6, we lie and we don't live out the truth. The way of light is completely different, verse seven. If we do live like Jesus, we share and we participate in a community that is doing the same. And what's more, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And we'll come back to that word in a moment. That is to say that the cross has a present effect in our lives and so we become more and more like Jesus. But pay attention here. Please, if you've tuned out, I'm gonna need you back for, for a couple more minutes because there is a huge and a dangerous mistake that we could make here. The mistake is this, that it is all on us that we've got to find our own way from dark to light. And even worse, that if we make any mistakes, we're no longer welcome in church. It's a dangerous mistake because it will isolate us from community. And yet we all make the mistake of thinking like this at times. Maybe not exactly in those terms, but we think about it in some sense. And as I was praying about it this week, I felt three things that God was calling me to highlight to us today. And these are things that we tend to become secretive about when we feel like it's all on us to fix ourselves before we can be part of the church family. And these three things are sin, doubt, and unfulfillment. So briefly, sin. These are ways that we live that aren't like Jesus, the perfection, the revelation of the perfection of God. And if we think it's all on us to fix ourselves, then we will hide what we struggle with from our Christian friends, from our church community. They can't know that we struggle with these things. They can't know that we need support to leave an old life behind because deep down we've begun to believe it's all on us. And so we become trapped and we become isolated from community by thinking that we have to fix our own sin. The second thing is doubt. 
When we struggle with faith, we often feel that we need to hide that from our brothers and sisters because deep down we've somehow believed the lie that church is for own, only for people who don't ever doubt or struggle in faith. And if we doubt, then somehow we are not good enough or we shouldn't be welcome in church or, or we shouldn't be allowed to share those doubts in small group. And so we become trapped and isolated from community by thinking there's no space for doubt. We have to fix that first before we can be part of a church. And the final thing is unfulfillment. And this one is less obvious, but it's just as pernicious. We think to ourselves, you know, I know Jesus and I love Jesus and my life should be fine. I should just be happy And yet, at times, we're not, because we don't live in a perfect world and we're not perfect people. And so there's times when we aren't happy, we don't feel fulfilled. And so we begin to worry, do I need to fix this before I can really bring it into small group? Do I need to fix this before I can really be part of church? And the result is that we end up concealing our disappointments. We hide our unfulfillments. When life is really tough, we just put on a good face on Sunday. When our marriages struggle, we don't seek help. When we're lonely, we don't reach out. And when there's a burning hole in our lives, not because there's much wrong, but because our job is a dead-end job and it is mind-bendingly dull, we don't feel we can share that because I know Jesus, so I should just be happy. We don't feel that we can say anything. When we face horrible disappointments, we, don't, we feel we have to hide it. And it's all for fear of what it says about us because we've started to believe the lie that I need to fix myself before I can be part of a community. And that's not the way it should be. Look at verse seven. Our deep sharing and participation is not just with God, although that is a good gift, it's with each other. And yet, church, this can only happen if our justification for being part of a community does not depend on us, but rather depends on Jesus. This can only happen if our justification for being part of this community doesn't depend on me fixing me, but rather on Jesus' forgiveness and welcome and acceptance and calling on me. If it all depends on us, we have to fix our own problems. We can't bring them before community. We have to fix them first. But if it all depends on God, then that means that we can bring what we struggle with, be it sin or doubt or unfulfillment or anything else, into the context of community. Now, of course, we're wise with this. Of course, we're wise with how we seek support. We, we don't use seeking support as a, as a cover for sort of unhealthy attentions. That's not what John is saying here. And, and church is never a replacement for professional counseling or proper mental health services or, or anything like that. But church is a community where we can come as we are knowing that it's not on us to fix ourselves first and get ourselves sorted. And that is the power of forgiveness. That is the power of what it means to be a forgiven community. Verses 8 through to the end, the power of forgiveness. Let's read that verse. If we claim to be without sin, John says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not 
in us. In other words, ground zero of church community is that none of us, apart from the saving work of Jesus, walk in the light. The common ground of every single Christian who has ever lived or will ever live is that we need forgiveness from God. As much as our brother and sister sitting next to us in the pew, as much as the church leader at the front, as much as the saints who first brought the gospels to this shore, as much as the disciples who first followed Jesus, we all need the forgiveness and God of God. And therefore the church is held together by verse nine. Prepare to read what is one of the most delightful and freedom-giving promises in all of scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. And so that's what we gather to do. That's why we'll often start with a confession. That's why we start uh, with a confession at the beginning. Because confession simply means this. We come before God and we say, my life does not match up to the light of Jesus Christ. My life doesn't match up to the perfection that I would need to have to share in a community of light, joined in the God of light. Lord God, I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. And that is why John uses the word purify here and also in verse seven. The way into the community described in verse seven is through the confession described in verse nine. The way into the community of light is through the confession that we need God's mercy and forgiveness. And all of that is to say this, that the only way to participate in the life of God and the community of the church is through the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way to be part of the church is to confess of our need for Christ. There is no other way but church beautifully there is no other requirement. There is no other way, but there is no other requirement. I don't know if you, some of you will have been down to St. Thomas's before we you know, moved out of it. We're going back there, although we are so thankful to St. Hilda's for their generous hospitality here. The front doors of St. Thomas's are red. Uh, and this is common with quite a lot of churches, particularly in the States. And it's because of this. The foundation of the theology of what it means to be the people of God is that we enter into community through the blood of Jesus. We enter in on a Sunday through the blood of Jesus. Whether you've spent all of Sunday morning in prayer or whether you've woken up and had an argument, we enter in on Sunday through the blood of Jesus. Whether you are struggling with doubt or filled with faith, we enter into small group community on Tuesday night through the blood of Jesus. Whether you're still trapped by sin or whether by the grace of God you've experienced some measure of freedom from an old life, we enter into relationships with one another, friendships with one another through the blood of Jesus because it's the blood of Jesus that purifies us from all sin. Not our good works, not our spiritual gifts, not the team that we serve on on a Sunday. And so if we claim, verse 10, that we don't need that blood, if we, don't claim, if we claim that we don't need that forgiveness, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
What a terrible thing that would be. What a terrible thing it would be if we were to, if we would rather say, I'm okay by myself, than simply acknowledge that we're not. And all it is, is coming before God in prayer and saying, Lord, I cannot save myself. Oh, how I need you. Now, John is clear at the start of the second chapter. This is not freedom to sin. This is not an invitation to just go and live however we like because it doesn't matter. You know, church will never challenge us on how we live or maybe the church even can't challenge us on how we live because, you know, I'm forgiven from all sin so therefore my brother or sister can't challenge that in my life. That is not what John is saying here. You read the rest of the book and you will find out that is the case. In fact, his logic is actually how can we claim to share in the light of God and yet continue to walk in darkness? He is way more hard line on this than, um, than we might think sometimes. But he does say this, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate before God. A counsel who will not just plead our case, but who has already paid the price for the verdict, not guilty. And church, his name is Jesus. Let's say that together. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we are a forgiven community who meet in his name. Amen. Amen. So if I can invite the band out, we're going to uh, respond to this together in a few ways. And the first is, uh, relates to the first thing that I mentioned, the priority of community. Many of us today will know that we've been hurt by church. Many of us today will also have heard that we're called to love the church. And we think that those two things jar, that they are somehow juxtaposed. And in some senses they are, but in another sense, that's just pointing to us of our need for the Spirit of God to come and do both a healing and a transforming work in our hearts. And so we're going to respond to that today, and we're going to respond to a few other things as well. So as the band start to play over us, I Shall we stand together? Let's stand to respond to this. And you might want to put your hands out. You might want to close your eyes. We're not in any rush here. So I wonder if this is you. Have you been really hurt by the church? Well, not just the church generally, but maybe particular individuals in church or a particular situation in the church. The way that something was handled, things that were said, whatever it is. We're going to do a twofold thing here today. Firstly, we're going to ask God to come and bring healing to that. 
And then we're going to ask God by his Holy Spirit to renew our love for the bride of Christ, the church, the family one for the Father through the death of the Son held together in the Spirit. So Lord, would you come and bring healing to our hearts where we've been hurt. If this is for you, you might want to put your hand over your heart right now. There's nothing special about that. It's just a sign to the Lord of saying, Lord, you know this is me. You know everything. You know my heart. This is me. Come, Holy Spirit, would you bring healing? Would you start a process of healing? Holy Spirit, would you do a transforming work of renewing our love for the bride of Christ, which is the church? you're receiving that from the Lord then just continue to receive that the second thing that um, I feel the Lord's calling us to do today relates to verse 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and for some of us we've heard that today and we've, we've realised that if we're honest there's some stuff that we we haven't confessed, the stuff that we haven't brought before God. And particularly, it might be stuff that we are holding back and that's stopping us from really being part of the church community. Stuff that we still feel guilty for. And my sense is that God wants to bring some freedom today. that's you we pray come Holy Spirit would you give us the grace to confess our sins so that we may be forgiven and purified from all righteousness through the cross and would you give us the grace to seek support to open up final thing today is I think that there may be a 
couple of people here or maybe you're watching online and you um, you know that, that you've never really committed to being a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you've heard the wonderful news of Jesus for the first time today. If you want to start following Jesus today, I'm going to lead us in a really simple prayer. Maybe you also have found yourself, you know that you've, you've spent a good chunk of time now wandering and you, you know deep down you need to recommit your heart. And there's a deep work of reconciliation that's needed. So I'm going to lead us in a really simple prayer before we sing and worship together. If this is you, again, I invite you to put your hand on your heart. Lord God, I confess my need of you. Lord God, I've heard that Jesus Christ has come, that I may have a relationship with you and be brought into the community of your church. Lord, I cannot do this in my own. I commit to following Jesus. place my trust in him today. Amen. Amen. And if that's you, come and speak to us. Drop us a message. Because you're saved into a community. (laughs) And we're on that journey together. So come Holy Spirit and lead us as we worship we pray you.